I must confess that I used to worry when contemplating the subject of German baking and the hefty book I planned to write that you might consider me at first glance an improbable authority on the subject. After all, I'm half Italian, half American. I have no German grandmother who passed her recipes down to me. I grew up making pollo ai peperoni at my mother's knee and baked beans at my father's, and no one in my direct bloodline has ever liked to bake. But I was born in Berlin, and even though our home there, and later in Boston, was a little bubble of Italian and American culture and food, I did grow up eating warm iced Streusel Schnecken from the bakery on the way to school, and always looked forward to slicing into the crisp white Brötchen in our Saturday morning bread basket and the fragrant, yeasty, fruit-topped kuchen our friends would serve for afternoon tea. I discovered at a very young age that I loved to bake, and I was encouraged by our dear family friend Joan, whose Christmas cookies and yeasted celebration breads are still my gold standard, though in the meantime I also have German in-laws and other German and Austrian friends whose baking and dedication to the craft inspire me. Wonderful. That's Louisa Weiss reading from Classic German Baking. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Berlin Belly, my food podcast where I interview the amazing women working in the Berlin food scene. This episode, my guest is Louisa Weiss, the creator of the Wednesday Chef blog. Uh, she's also the author of the cooking memoir, My Berlin Kitchen, and recently published an epic tome, Classic German Baking. In this episode, Louisa will give us some insight into the reality of recipe testing for uh, her cookbook, um, what her opinion on Berlin's food boom in recent years is, and what's currently on her plate. Many thanks to Flux FM, where we record the podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Louisa Weiss. Okay, give me a one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Oh, yeah. Is this close enough? Yes. Okay. That's pretty good. I turn you off a little bit. I feel like I'm going to fall out into the spring. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I can take a picture of you if you like. Ah, the... Yes, take a picture of me. <clears throat> this is hysterical. <clears throat> it's scary. So welcome, Louisa Weiss, to Berlin Belly, the food podcast. Um, you are the creator of the Wednesday Chef blog, the author of My Berlin Kitchen, beautiful kind of cooking memoir, and your new book, or your recent book, Classic German Baking, which came out towards the end of last year. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I saw that Classic German Baking is a bestseller on Amazon, so congratulations. Thank That's you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so a lot of people know who you are, but for anyone who doesn't, maybe, what's your um, the summary of kind of what you're up to at the moment? <laughs> right. So I'm a food writer and blogger. Um, I was born in Berlin a long time ago. Um, and But I'm half American, half Italian, and I've spent sort of the bulk of my life in the U.S., but I moved back to Berlin uh, seven years ago to get married and live my life here and, um, and, and pursue food writing as a full-time career. So in the time that I've been back here, I've written this food memoir and now this cookbook about German baking. German is the, the overarching term, but it includes Austrian and Swiss baking. And, um, and yeah, that's amazing. And also... Not to mention that you're, a, a, not to forget to mention you're a busy mom of two young children. Yes, two little boys. Most recently, four-month-old. Yeah, four-month-old baby and almost five-year-old boy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so when you when you read My my Berlin Kitchen and then seeing the classic German baking book come out, it kind of feels like your life was leading up to this epic cookbook. Kind of, you know, all the, the combination of cultures in your life... Um, the influences and the people that you've had um, in your life over the years. 
um, what what was the moment where you decided I'm going to do a, a a cookbook about German baking? Well, it's funny that you should say that because I see the the baking book as much more of a sort of mm, it was well. Let me let me backtrack a little. I used to be a cookbook editor yes. when I lived in New York and. Yeah. When I would sort of look around programs to figure out what I was going to publish next, it always seemed really obvious that there was this huge gaping hole where German baking books should be. Um, there are a handful of cookbooks in the U.S. market that are geared towards people who are interested in German food, but there's hardly anything um, in terms of German baking. And so back in my publishing days, I was looking for the person to write this book. And I looked high and low, and I couldn't find the person at all. And um, and then I moved to Berlin, and I left publishing behind, and I wrote this food memoir. But my um, one of my competitors at, at another publishing company from the one that I worked at approached me several years ago and said, I know you know that there's this gap in the market still, and I think it's pretty obvious that you should be the person to fill it. And I was quite terrified because um, with my background and with my experience, I knew how much, like... <laughs> how enormous the work was going to be to write this book, and I just didn't want to do it, um, <laughs> to be totally clear. Um, but but I did sort of take what he said to heart, namely that I was really well positioned to bring German baking to an American market because of my background and who I was and, and everything. And so I, I finally sort of took the plunge. Gave in. Yeah, I gave in, but whew, man. And it's interesting as well because you you note in the in the new cookbook that a lot of German cookbooks now are very influenced by like American kind of cupcake kind of cookie kind of stuff. So it was missing here as well. It wasn't just um, uh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, there are plenty of German um, cookbooks, you know, m cookbooks on the German market that are um, that where the subject matter is sort of classic baking. But the trend in bakeries and in eateries and all that stuff has been so much toward, geared towards what Americans or Anglos are interested in eating. So, um, as you said, cupcakes or, or, frankly, macaron. You see macaron more than you see recipe, you know, um, bakeries selling really great Franzbrötchen or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, it's kind of a, it's its own very sort of prickly subject, but I really think it's a shame that Uh, the average sort of German bakery is not producing high-quality stuff anymore. They're just kind of going through the motions. Um, I don't know that my book will make a difference, but I, even if it motivates just five more German bakers to really double down and be proud of what they make yeah. and be proud of their baking tradition, I'd be happy. Yeah, I think sometimes it's easy for people to lose sight of what, what is so great about the regional cuisine and traditional traditional recipes and such. Um, well, and especially because German baking, sorry to interrupt no. you, but just because German baking is such an enormous touchstone, um, it's really the basis, in my opinion, for the baking traditions of several countries, including the United States. And so, um, because that's my perspective, obviously, is coming from the viewpoint of an American baker. But I just, I think that... Um, You know, France always gets the, oh, French food is so amazing. Um, yes. But German food, German baking is, there's nothing like it. I mean, and when I again, when I say German, I mean German, Austrian, and Swiss. I just kind of shorten it to German to yeah. keep it concise. Yeah, wouldn't all fit on the beautiful cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking about how much work it was, um, so over two years, 
to yeah. put the book together. Yes, from contract to publication was two and a half years, and it took us about 18 months of testing wow. and writing. Yeah. I was following along some of the, the Instagram updates, which was, you know, it was really nice to see, well, nice for us to see the behind the scenes yeah. of what goes into it. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what exactly that process is to, to get a cookbook to the um, publishing stage when you're working with these quite intricate, detailed recipes? Yeah, so this is um, not... Um, it, uh, Often cookbooks are written from the perspective, you know, obviously written from the perspective of the author, and usually that author is delving into their sort of family recipes or their own culture, own cultural recipes, and it's pretty straightforward. But in this case, I was sort of assembling a collection of recipes that had to be representative of the broader spectrum, and I was assembling it from, I don't know, countless sources antique cookbooks, the internet, friends, family recipes, I mean, just uh, uncountable sources. And so I had to test recipes over and over again. At first, I had to sort of find the recipe. Like, let's say, for example, let's just use um, Franz Brötchen as an example. Um, I couldn't just go through my collection of cookbooks, pick out a recipe and say, okay, this is it. I had to first come up with the base recipes, which involved making it several times, tweaking it to get to a point that I really liked. And then I had to test that recipe. Um, I also had to translate everything into American metri- uh, into American measurements as well as mm-hmm. have the metric ones because American cookbooks now usually have both. And so some of the recipes in the book have been made upwards of 10 times before wow. we included them. And I say we because I had I couldn't have done the book without um, the help of a friend named Maya Vilka who really um, just was... She was by your side. My partner, yeah, my baking partner in every way. Yeah. And, and Instagram was super helpful because it was daunting to sort of get through 18 months of testing without sharing because sharing yeah. means feedback and yeah. feedback sort of kept us going. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. can imagine and the marathon um, of cooking. And um, you must have been very extra popular during this time among <laughs> friends and family who were uh, eating your, your uh, recipe testing yeah, it's, it's funny because um, it sounds like such a great thing. Like, I wrote a baking book and I, you know, got to bake cake for 18 months. Let me tell you, by the end of, I don't even know, the third month, you know when you bake a cake and your hair sort of smells like butter and sugar and you think, oh, it's so cozy? Now the smell makes me want to gag. Oh, no. Like, it's really bad. I have, I have some sort of Pavlovian response to it. It just, ugh. Give me a potato chip and a pickle. Um, That's a good pun, like a Pavlova response. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so did you take a break from baking I did. at the end? I did, yes. I stopped working on the recipes in May of last year. Okay. And... Um, I haven't baked since. <laughs> I know, no, now, and now, like, I really have to say, it's taken me about a year to want to bake again. And now I'm actually into it, but with re- within reason. Like, you know, yeah. one cake, every, not every other day. Yeah. We were making, like, five cakes a day at the high point of Incredible. our... Incredible. Yeah. And all at home? Cooking, baking yes. everything at home? Everything, yeah. Wow. Yeah, in the home kitchen. Because I feel like the, you know, the, the, the key to getting a good cookbook written is to sort of put yourself in the shoes of a home baker as much as you can and to really break it down especially because American bakers require a lot of hand holding or American cookbooks are really geared towards the lowest common denominator rather than the highest which is the way it is here in Germany with German cookbooks and so it was important to me that I know exactly how to explain things to a home baker who may not be that comfortable with yeast or baker's ammonia or quark even yeah Um, 
That's strange. Entity. <laughs> yeah. <that's> <laughs> um, so, and yeah, speaking about Instagram and social media, so you, you've come from having the blog for several years. Is it like 10 or 11 years old now? <laughs> it's from turning 12. Turning 12. <laughs> in August. teenage years. Yes. Soon. Yeah. So you've kind of, um, that's a great experience and, and an amazing following to have built over the years. And do you, you do you, it sounds like you felt the benefit of social media um, and do, as an author, do you think it's important to kind of um, develop that kind of following to support you these days? Yeah, you have to. I mean, social media is, I mean, you have to. You don't have to engage in every aspect of it. Like, I don't have a Snapchat account I don't really do Pinterest, even though when I published my first book, I remember I had to have a strategy meeting with the marketing department of my publisher, and they were like, you have to start a Pinterest account to help sell your book, and I couldn't figure out the connection at all. Um, I think you can pick and choose, you know, what yeah, what social media best. outlet is best for you. Um, in my case, Instagram is hugely helpful, um, and Facebook is. Twitter, to a lesser extent, on Twitter, I'm mostly just freaking out about Politics, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like all 45. your retweets. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and did you find that people k- gave you direct feedback when you posted something on Instagram, like like one of your recipe testing um, outcomes, and then someone would say, "Hey," like, and give you some advice, or was it just like encouragement? It was mostly encouragement. Um, I would, I did get some advice. Like, I remember early on in the in the testing process, I made Bienstich, which is yeah. this yeasted cake with yeah. um, sort of a honey almond caramel on top. And I used chopped almonds that had skin on them still. And a, I, she, she shall go unnamed, but a friend of mine <laughs> who is a big-time German blogger uh, wrote me a very polite um, but pointed Twitter private message. No, sorry, Instagram private message being like, my grandfather was a conditor and he would turn over in his grave if he saw a binstich with chopped almonds with skin on. Just Uh. FYI, don't do that. So that was super helpful. Um, Yeah. uh, But yeah, no, mostly, uh, and and of course the final recipe does exactly what she says, which is to have skinned sliced almonds. But but mostly the, the Instagram stuff was just to sort of keep the excitement going for us because 18 months is a long time and, yep. you know, baking, like I said, five cakes a day or, yeah. or six batches of cookies or all the yeasted rolls and stuff, you, you start to lose steam eventually. But if you have this sort of chorus of people yes. telling you how, you know, awesome it is and how excited they are, it totally helps you keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. What do you think about maybe how, how the food scene has developed in Berlin over the years? Because since, since you've come back, I think that's um, there's been kind of a boom happening over that time, M- more so with street food. Um, but do you see that happening or do you think it's interesting? What do you think about it? I think it's incredible. Mm. I mean, and I have the... I have the perspective of someone who remembers what food was like here before the wall came down. Um, what was it like? Tell us. was a lot of Italian food. Really? I mean, no, we just never went out. We, we never went out. Yeah. As a, I mean, I was a kid, but I grew up, so I spent my young years, my elementary school years with my father in Boston, and we went out to dinner all the time. It was in America, going out is much more sort of normal and typical. And here, we never went out, maybe, you know, on a birthday, on my mother's birthday or on my stepfather's birthday or whatever. We'd go to the Italian place around the corner. 
once, I remember, I think it was when I graduated from high school, we went out for Thai food. We would go to Morlake, you know, in Seendorf and have, okay. or Dalem, and eat outside by the lake and have like, you know, fish or ice spine or something. But that was it. That was really it. Um, and then the wall fell and things started to get a little bit more open, but really minimally. Um, and the, the, the pace of what has happened in the last five to seven years has been mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I mean, it's thrilling. It's really exciting. Um, and I think it's largely positive. Um, I will say I think Berlin still has a long way to go. Um, I know this is not a popular opinion in some quarters because a lot of people feel like, you know, that's it's sort of not particularly generous. But I think that Berlin does still have a long way to go. I think food quality is not where it should be. Um, it's uh, too much effort is still spent on the way things look rather than the way they taste. Um, and I think that there's a little bit too much emphasis on the sort of fine dining world that doesn't really take into consideration the financial needs of most Berliners, whether they're expats or immigrants or, you know, Einheimische. So, um, so but I think largely it's positive. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I'm so glad you said that. I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think it's thrilling that, I mean, as, as, as thrilled as I am that, um, you know, I can now get really good Chinese food or I can get really good bagels. Um, I do feel, I, as, as a child of the West and as a resident of West Berlin, um, I do wish that more of these sort of awesome young entrepreneurs were taking their, you know, viewpoint a little bit further out of Neukölln, Kreuzköln, Mitte, Prenzlauer Berg, Friedrichshain. Yeah. But there's time. There's time. <laughs> <laughs> One day our neighborhoods will become cool again. And then, yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, there it are a lot of hungry you. families wishing that, oh, yeah. They could access yeah. the street food markets. Yeah. Or even just, you know, cool salad places and, you know, yeah. regular sort of family yeah. establishments too anyway. yeah. and in terms of you know German in terms of baking because that's really my subject matter at the moment as I said that's a, it's a whole other ball of wax but um, I really it's my fervent hope that um, German bakers and the German public really the, the larger um, public um, in Berlin really um, stop taking for granted mm. the fact that you know you don't want to have sort of par, par baked at your local bakery just because they cost 19 cents it's gross like you want to I wish that I could support more local bakers who really are making quality products yeah 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 um <clears throat> and you, you seem to be someone who's very in tune with the seasons and what's on offer at certain times of the year so what are you eating at the moment What's on your plate? Uh, eating a lot of salad, a lot of asparagus, mm -hmm. uh, cherries, because now all the cherries are coming it. in. Yeah. yeah, And my great-grandparents <laughs> in Italy were Italian cherry farmers. My mother likes to remind me of this every season. So at the moment, we're eating a lot of those. And each oh, time amazing. she's like, did you know that your grandma? I'm like, yes, I know. You told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, a lot of the sort of radishes, cucumbers, all the, mm -hmm. the vegetables. Yeah. What would be a favorite recipe of yours related to to cherries this time of year? To be honest Just with you, eating them fresh cherries. I, yeah. There's really nothing better than a bowl full of cherries. Yeah. Um, uh, however, I do love sour cherries. Those come mm, later. Yeah. Those come later in the season. But um, there are several uh, recipes in the book for sour cherry. Uh, there's a sour cherry cake, and those are just. I mean, my they're my husband's favorite fruit. Yeah. So. 
we do some baking with those later in the year, but usually the ones that are come in a jar. Yeah. Um, well, it's been wonderful to speak with you, Louisa. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention about classic German baking? It's fun, and it's um, it's not as daunting as you might think. Yes. And um, there's really something in G- German baking, in the German baking canon for every time of the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, winter, obviously. Exactly. Um, and I just, I really hope more than anything that the book helps demystify something that might seem daunting, but actually is super approachable and super cozy and just, yeah, a wonderful thing to know how to do. Yes. And you put in a lot of work to make it, um, as you said before, accessible to the home baker and in terms of like measurements and for both American and European audiences. Yes. I mean, the the one thing I have to say is that if anybody is listening to this um, and is wants to bake from this book in Germany, um, you should know that the recipes were, were geared towards an American kitchen. So I used American baking powder. Um, oh, okay. And, and German baking powder doesn't work exactly like American does. Uh, so um, there keep that in mind okay <laughs> but any questions people should feel free to get in touch i'm at wednesdaychef at hotmail.com where people can contact me over instagram or facebook and i'm happy to answer whatever questions that anyone might have that's lovely and you can pick up classic german baking from all the usual places it's on amazon and it's on amazon dussmann sells Dussmann. it if you don't want to buy from amazon cocktail on invalidenstrasse sells signed lovely. copies if anyone wants a signed copy Thank you so much, Louisa. It was lovely to speak with you. Thank you for having me. Yay. (laughs) That's it. Wonderful.